if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our guest again today is going to be Dr. Raquel Butler. Raquel's been on quite a few times before. She's had a chat to us different times. The last time was about, um, it must know fact, about equine injury rehabilitation. And she's going to talk to us today about body workers, you know, what we should know about selecting body workers for our horse. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by International Horse College. And the vision of International Horse College is to have a world where people safely appreciate, respect and enjoy their horses and the horses appreciate, respect and enjoy their people. Have a look at the wide variety of horse-friendly courses at International Horse College, registered training organisation number 31352. Now, Raquel, how are you going today? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. We've had a bit of rain here, so it's a good day. Well, good for us too, yeah, yeah, because I, I know the fires and, and I get on and, and chat to, you know, a few overseas people and they're certainly worried about us and um, the amount of bushfires, so it's it's not just yeah, local so... people worried about bushfires. Did they come near you at all or not? Uh, yes, we've been mm. dealing with some burnt horses at CSU. Yes, um, yes. So, yeah, in Wagga, so... Yeah. A few local areas have been affected. Yeah, yeah, we've, you know, had locally affected, but, um, you know, thankfully we've had rain this last probably maybe not quite a week, but um, we've certainly had some rain and everything's looking mm. quite green. Now we've got to get the mowers out and cut the grass, I suppose, and make sure our horses don't <laughs> get founded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good way to be. Yes, yes. Now, body work. I, I want to have, you know, I can remember looking back on our ancestry you know you get back and you look you know your parents and your grandparents and your mm-hmm. great grandparents and somewhere along the line I must have had a great great uncle you know and they put in what their career you know what their occupation was now he yeah. was a vet a veterinarian and a publican so obviously <laughs> obviously didn't go through the training and the qualifications <laughs> that we do these days and have the knowledge that we do these days yeah. But even yeah. even when I left school, you know, as a vet nurse for a couple of years, and the vet was we did a, you know, a lot more dogs and cats, but did some horses, and the vet would be required to do lots and lots of different stuff. Whereas now we've got a lot yeah. of body workers that really are specialists in their field. You know, they can go yeah. and study and and become specialists, but it's too easy for someone to say, "Yes, I'm a body worker." Yeah, you know, absolutely. Sure. I, can, I can give you a horse a massage, it'll be right. Oh, I'm not yeah. qualified, but I've seen it done a few times. We we don't want yeah. that, okay? So no. do you want to talk about, you know, we're talking about the things we should know when selecting a body worker for our horse, but tell us about body work. What, if we were going to say what is body work, what would you say? Yeah, so I guess body, you know, it's kind of trying to find a term that does encompass um, working on the horses because mm. people call it different things. So we've chosen to call it body work today. But, you know, it should be just an important part of the horse's routine care. So just like getting their feet done, their teeth done, um, their saddle fitted, getting your trainer out to help you with your riding and things, it should it should just become a part of, of your routine um, just to promote your horse's health and well-being. 
And often people, you know, think about it when they've got a problem with their horse, but if you do it as a preventative thing, then often it can improve your performance, reduce your injury risks. Um, it can support any veterinary care. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you've got your vet out for certain things, it can actually support that. Um, it's definitely not a replacement for veterinary care. And obviously I'm a, myself and a body worker, you know, have been many times if I was a vet and I was just a worker, then I would have had to refer um, off and get a vet to have a look at it before I treated the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really important. We'll talk a bit more about that. Um, it can also just help improve the horse's um, blood flow in general and their circulation. Okay. It can promote muscle relaxation as well as like mental relaxation. Like we all know, we love to go and have a nice massage, especially a relaxation one. And also just improving gait quality and range of motion and posture. And those things are really important for general performance um, and general prevention of injuries. Mm -hmm. So it can can really help um, in those ways. So I like the way that you said it supports veterinary care. It's not instead of veterinary care, but it's supporting no. veterinary care. So we yep. still get our vet mm-hmm. out to say what's wrong because I suppose a body worker, you know, it's like um, what do they say every – if you've got a hammer, everything's a nail, you know. So if you get a body yep. worker out, they're only going to be able to work in their area of specialty, whereas a vet yep. is going to have a good overall knowledge and then be able to recognise or recommend you. Is that the way it should work? That's the way it would work in an uh-huh. ideal situation. So yep. we're still building some of those um, bridges, I guess. Like we're still kind of trying to improve the relationships between veterinarians and body workers and, you know, vet, vet understanding of what body workers do um, and improve those communication channels. So that's actually one of my kind of passion areas to to build that because I think that body workers can be extremely valuable for vets yep. and vets can be extremely valuable for body workers. And if they're working together, then you will generally have a great outcome for your horse. Mm, mm, mm. Good. Good. So um, we first should get the vet, yep. they diagnose, and then they say, all right, now we're going to treat this and this is the type of body worker we need. And if they're working already with body workers, they might recommend the body works that they work with before that are local yeah. in the area. Yeah. Yeah. So how could a body worker help our horse? I mean, what sort of areas? Tell us a little bit. We've talked a bit about what body work is, but now if they're going to help the horse, what can they do? So can I just jump back a little bit? Sure, sure. And just with like, can your body worker tell you what is wrong? Mm. Um, because I just want to really reiterate this because there's actually been um, a recent court case um, at the, you know, just, kind of in the last couple of years with a veterinary, or not not a veterinary, sorry, um, a practitioner who's a qualified um, chiropractor. So quali- that we're not, I may have to talk about the wording of that, but he's a qualified animal biomechanical medicine professional. Yes. Um, and he, um, there was a court case, in, and especially um, what came up is, is diagnosing mm-hmm. um, and what it is, 
even the words treatment, diagnosis, um, are difficult words. So I just want to reiterate that what you said, um, you know, bodywork supports a veterinary diagnosis. Yep. And generally when an animal's sick or lame, it's the case. And so if your body worker is telling you, you know, your horse has um, a bow tendon even, that's yep. a diagnosis. Okay, okay. okay? This is a so, diagnosis so, by the vet. So the vet's diagnosed yep. the bow tendon. A body tendon. worker okay. can't say. Okay. Yeah, a body worker can't say that it's got a bow tendon or that it's even got arthritis mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in its knee. Yep. So that's really important to note. And we are trying to, and I think it's important that horse owners are aware, we are trying to improve this legislation so that horse owners can utilise body workers because at the moment it's very difficult for body workers to come out and give a thorough assessment of your horse because yep. there's actually a lot of things that if they're not a vet they can't say. Um, and so that is in some ways it's a detriment to you as a horse owner because they can't tell you everything that, that they might be feeling or finding. So... You know, and I think public pressure um, will help to improve legislation. In Victoria, it's not a problem. Body workers can actually do whatever they like and um, and there's nothing governing that. But in other states, specifically Australia and New South Wales, um, the body workers have to be very, very careful what okay. they say. So as a horse owner, you can't put that pressure on them either to, to get them to tell you what is wrong because they can't legally tell you that. Okay, okay, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other part of that is that if someone does kind of come out and claim, you know, that they can or or um, you know, a specific problem, then you've got to be a little bit aware of that because, you know, they might be stepping a bit outside their boundaries Mm, with mm. that and, you know, that they should be working, um, you know, it's it's better if they're working in conjunction with a veterinarian and that they have kind of veterinary, you know, whether you can get veterinary approval as a horse owner or, you know, they have vets that they work with um, because then, you know, there's going to be more open channels of communication which will ultimately help um, your horse. Okay, okay. So the body workers are the middle person. Is that what it is there? They're putting the puzzle to pieces together and they're yeah. the middle person in that whole puzzle. Yeah, so they're, they're often, you know, because they see the horse on a, a regular basis but they're looking at the body and the body won't um, improve if their teeth aren't right or the feet aren't right or the training isn't right or the battle fit's not right. So often the body worker can act as that kind of middle person to say, oh, well, I'm finding, you know, some restrictions here and you know, have you had your saddle fitter out or your hoof trimmer? And mm-hmm. so they can kind of be that middle person to help, um, you know, let you know when things don't look right and could be from another problem. Yep. Um, and they're not a miracle worker. Like a, there's, I think, a lot of expectation put on body workers to come out and create magic and then, you know, the next day your horse goes amazing. And that does happen, don't get me wrong, but... You know, there's so many other factors that influence how that horse goes that need to be taken into consideration, and body work's just one part of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So if we're talking about what a body worker can help with, what can the body worker help us with? Yeah, so there's a lot there's a lot of things that they can help. There's obviously the more common um, performance issues, you know, where you might have a horse that's suddenly or or even a a break a breaker um, that's bucking, um, but you might have just performance issues like they're starting to refuse jumps or knocking poles. Yep. Um, they're rushing at jumps. Uh, they might be disuniting in the canter, which is where the hind legs are on a different leg to the front legs. Mm-hmm. They might struggle to pick up a certain canter lead. Um, I've had horses that get in the arena and refuse to go forward. They may be you know, difficult with backing up. Sometimes it's even more subtle. So when as people are getting up to higher levels and lateral work, they might just find that one, you know, particular exercise is a bit, you know, like a pirouette or run there one way or something like that and the other way seems perfectly fine. So horses can have like a, a tighter side um, and a, a more hollow side. So it really depends on their natural crookedness and body workers can help with with asymmetry and crookedness. Um, other things like any behavioural alterations are often, I see. I think we've talked about that in a chat before, but about how a lot of behavioural things and begin with physical yes, problems. Yes, yes. Um, any kind of general tension in their body. Scars. So mm-hmm. I see a lot of horses with scars where they're actually affecting them they're affecting their movement. Even the scar might have been there for a couple of years and it's still having an effect. So I had one horse that had a scar from a really bad that took over a year to heal on the back leg, the front of the back leg. And it was a year later and that scar was still causing that horse pain. So if I touched the scar, it was still painful. He had uh, altered circulation in that leg it was altering the way that that leg moved and therefore creating compensation up through his pelvis. So even if scars have been there for a really long time, they can still affect the way that the horse, um, well, the post and their movement. Um, injury recovery, so if they are recovering from a diagnosed injury like a tendon injury or a muscle tear or, or things like that. Um, it's not lame, but just not quite right. That's often a good time to get a body worker. Um, Ian Bidstrip, Dr. Ian Bidstrip talked a lot about girth problems. Um, and no horse should have uh, girth pain. So if your horse turns around and barks you when you're doing up the girth, puts his back, moves around, um, any of that sort of thing, then it's not, it's not. You know, it's not just, oh, well, my horse has always done that. There's actually an underlying discomfort there that can be rectified. Um, head shaking. And the other important one which people often kind of forget about is foals. Yes, So, okay. yeah, foals when they're born, you know, they're not kind of, they have to come through an asymmetrical birth canal. And um, they can come out with fractured ribs, Injuries to their wither, injuries to their pelvis and their sacrum, 
hopefully all the most common ones, and, and you all know, you know, they can come out with legs um, pointing in different directions. So foals are really important and can really set them up for life by treating them, um, you know, within their first month of life is often a good time. Okay. All right. And did you say a chiropractor? They can't say they're a chiropractor or what What can yeah. they say? You know, tell us about the chiropractor, what they can't say, you know? I mean, can a vet say they're a chiropractor? Yeah, or no. Is, so, does it have to be a person chiropractor or, yeah, just tell us yeah. about the legalities of it all. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of people, you know, people up on Facebook and everything, oh, does anyone chiro? Yep. And there's been a lot of people in the past, you know, call themselves chiros. Um, and then it's kind of a thing that's stuck around a bit with that label. Mm. So the thing is, there's no actual regulatory body for body workers and there's no official accreditation. So when you become a vet, you have to be um, registered and you have to be registered in the state that you work. Um, and obviously you have to have your, you know, bachelor of veterinary science or equivalent. Mm-hmm. But for a body worker, there's none of that. There's no official mm. um, registration, you know, body in Australia that oversees all of the body workers in Australia. The other part of that is that the term, so veterinarian, physiotherapist, osteopath and chiropractor are what we call protected terms. So... You don't see just Joe Blow calling themselves a, a vet. Um, you would expect that if they call themselves a vet, that they actually are a qualified vet. And yeah. so that goes with physiotherapists, osteopaths, and chiropractors. But for physios, uh, osteopaths, and chiropractors, they're human terms. So they're protected through the human uh, legislation. Mm-hmm. And so you can't actually call yourself in Australia an animal physiotherapist or an animal osteopath or an animal chiropractor. Okay, um, okay. So they're, they're not even I can't call myself that and I've done osteopathic and chiropractic training, mm-hmm. um, but I cannot say I'm a veterinary osteopath or a veterinary chiropractor. Okay, okay. So anyone that's calling themselves um, that, <laughs> they're – you know, they're um, using protected terms and they're not allowed to do that. So they can say, I'm a human osteopath trained in animal biomechanical medicine. Okay. Okay. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry... If you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. So, Raquel, we obviously need, you know, public awareness support. 
to yeah. get this regulated and and on horse chats you know we're certainly yeah. growing and and uh, our listeners are growing and and that's part of getting that public awareness and support is to get the conversation going what else can yeah, we do as a listeners yeah. what what else can they do i think it's it's really understanding um, what those terms mean mm. and really questioning people who do call themselves um you know anything to do with those terms. And there's probably other terms that I just haven't um, thought about, but these are the main ones. So I think it's making the public really aware of what these terms mean, asking the question of any practitioner, oh, you've called yourself a, a Cairo or such, mm, and, you know, mm. such and such called you a Cairo. Uh, what is your qualification? You know, where did you learn your body work? And we'll talk a bit more while we're talking about that now. So. Yeah in terms of qualification. Well, I'm just thinking because at International Horse College, we do a lot of horse care, coaching, business, different areas within the coaching, but we don't actually do any body work. So what yeah. qualifications are available for body work? Are they available through CSU? Not, um, not as yet. Yep. Um, we hope that there will be, something, there'll be yeah. something in the future. Well, I think the thing is that with qualifications in Australia, there's so much, you know, we can say there's so much red tape, but then we can say the red tape's there for a reason, that yeah. we don't have people just jumping in saying, oh, sure, I'll, I'll give you that qualification, when they don't have yeah. qualified staff to do it, when they don't have the curriculum developed, when they don't have everything in yeah. place. So so I, I hear your frustration when you say not yet because, you know, we, yeah. we try and do lots of things as well and and have to say not yet, but it's yeah. to do with the quality. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But tell us what, what are. So if people are interested in body work and, um, yep. you know, maybe they don't want to go on and become a vet, but they're looking for other things, or maybe they're already a vet and they still yeah. want to specialise in other yeah. areas, what's available? Yeah, so if they're already um, a veterinarian or a human osteopath or a human chiropractor, they can do the graduate diploma of animal biomechanical medicine, which is what I've done, and that encompasses um, osteopathic techniques, chiropractic techniques, and rehabilitation, so injury rehabilitation. That's a two-year course um, run through Box Hill Institute, um, and that's a highly um, what's the word? It's a World-class training. Like, mm-hmm. yes. um, I think the only one in the world that offers osteopathic and chiropractic training in the one um, place. So I can highly recommend that. Um, there's a there's acupuncture courses for non-veterinarians um, and there's a specific one for veterinarians as well. Um, I think the most important thing when choosing qualifications is if you don't have a base level qualification and you want to get started in therapies, you need to make sure that whatever therapy you choose covers anatomy and, and biomechanics okay. because that to me is the fundamental aspect of um, of any therapy and no matter what therapy you're trained in, and I'm, I've trained in a lot of different therapies now, but really improves my knowledge is understanding anatomy and my mechanics and you can never do enough of that. Mm, mm. So um, there's also the human physiotherapist 
there is an animal uh, physiotherapy, masters in animal physiotherapy that don't do the running in Australia at the moment. They have to go to the UK to do that. And then there's a Lugan Institute of Osteopathy that's overseas and they have for vets and non-vets and I know of a few practitioners who've done that and they're very um, highly skilled. The Masterson method goes through a number of levels. It's a massage type of, it's a very gentle technique and I've done a few levels in that as well. Um, equine muscle release therapy is actually where I started and I was already a vet, but it's equivalent of bone therapy, but they do cover anatomy and physiology and biomechanics, um, and it's quite an in-depth course. Um, and then equinology has some really great training as well. So that's few. I mean, there's lots of other ones, and there's lots of other therapies that I highly recommend. But sometimes the starting ones, um, they need to have that anatomy and physiology and then things like your craniosacral um, can, can build on to that um, once you've kind of got your understanding of anatomy and physiology. And then there's lots of other therapies within, you know, like I've done equitape and um, and used vetcontape and laser and shore foot pads and, you know, so there's people who teach. And so there's things that you, that a lot of practitioners will have many qualifications or many extras that they've added as they've gone because I can tell you good body workers don't stop at one. No. Oh, look, I think good anything. You know, good horse people yeah. don't say. Realize they um, start to realise exactly. that exactly. I don't, there's a lot they don't know. And no. Yeah, they're the ones you want because they realise limitations. Mm, mm, mm. So, Raquel, tell us about the associations, even though it's not legislated that they need to be an association, tell us about... Um, associations that if you're looking for a body worker, you want them to be insured and what type of association the good ones are in? Yeah. Yeah, so if um, if they are a part of an association, it means that they have a code of product and a code of ethics. And so as a horse owner, that can give you like a peace of mind of the, you know, that there's some um, you know, quality um, in, in the the person they're getting and that they have a recognised qualification because they, you know, would have had to have this qualification to become a part of the association. So there is in Australia the Equine Therapies Association of Australia um, and so that is for qualified professionals and they have to also show continuing professional development as well to remain a member of that association. There's also the Animal Biomechanical Professionals um, Association of Australia, and that's for the um, veterinarians, the human chiropractors, and the human osteopaths who've done their animal biomedical, biomechanical, sorry, medicine training. Um, I'm actually the president of that association, and we're working very hard to improve um, the legislation and see what we can actually. Um, get changed for to include working as an important ability for animals um, and also, you know, to get more vets um, involved in that as well. And then there's the International Fine Body Worker Association as well and that has a set of quite specific requirements to become a member of that association. 
And I'm sure there's other ones. These are just a, a few associations. Okay. Yep. You know, asking your body work, oh, do, do you have any insurance? And what I need for you is that if something does go wrong with your horse when they're treating it, that they are insured. Um, or if you get injured or injured while treating your horse, that it's um, that you're not going to be liable for that as well because they have their own insurance. Mm. And also it means that they've had to have a qualification to actually get that insurance. Um, and, yeah, so they should be able to answer that okay. question and you can ask them, you know, are you a member of any association and... They should happily answer those questions. Okay, good. So we say we've found our body worker, we've had our vet, our vet's recommended someone, we've called them up, we've, we know that they're insured, we know that they're a member of one of these associations. What can we expect from our body worker? You know, I mean, how long do they go for, yep. you know, what we should be expecting from our horse? Is there any post-treatment? What happens in a session? Can you tell us a little bit about that for people who've never had a body worker? Yeah, so a lot of it's really going to depend on the qualification of the body work, mm-hmm. and it's also going to depend if you know they're seeing the horse for the first time, or they've known this horse for a long time, and it's a follow up, and also whether there's been an injury involved, um, and that sort of thing. So, like I'll say, generally, you know, as a um, it's like often sixty to ninety minutes. Um, there are some kind of follow-up treatments for people where, you know, it might be half an hour. But if they're doing a full kind of assessment of the horse and going through follow-up recommendations, then that in itself can take um, a good half an hour. So um, within a session, if they're seeing the horse for the first time, they should do an assessment of your horse um, within their therapy. So every therapy often has a different way that they will assess um, for problems in the horse. The horse is to me, like to me, the horse is the one that needs to give the approval. Um, so, you know, I've had therapy sessions where it's not, I guess there's times when it's not pleasant for the horse because you can't explain to them, this is just going to hurt for a second and then you'll mm. feel better. Yes. But what the horse does do is, each time that you make a difference, they trust you more. So the next time that I see horse, they should like me a little bit more mm-hmm. than the last time. Yep. And they should be very happy for me to work on them. They should be kind of saying hello to me, putting their nose out to me. You know, horses, lots of body saddles kind of run up to them when they see them and neigh at them and... You know, if the horse cuddle me and all that sort of thing, and that to me says they're happy with what I'm doing and are not pushing their limits. Um, and yep, there's always times, or not always, but in some sessions there are times where you can't tell them, you know, it'd be a little bit uncomfortable, that you can actually do this because you thought they couldn't before, but now it feels better. And you know, but I'm always gaining that horse's trust. I'm not leaving them or even in a treatment, getting to a place where they don't want to be around me. Um, okay. So I think they really, you need to look at your horse for that approval, but also you to look at your horse, you know, the next day, in a week, in two weeks, and see, well, did you notice any changes? And 
depending on the injury or the problem that you're treating, um, will depend on the type of changes that are happening. And hopefully your body worker can kind of say, we are expecting these little things to change or these big things to change or, you know, you need to keep an eye on, on is your standing differently? Are they... Um, you know, performing movements differently and obviously some people are more observant than others and I've trained a lot of my clients in what they need to look for after the treatment. So they'll often pick up really um, subtle things to tell me about the next time I see the horse and that helps me a lot to know. Um, the other thing is a lot of like qualified body workers, a few exercises or stretches or some other kind of follow-up recommendations. And, you know, these can make a huge difference because often it means your body work might not need to come as much. Yep. Um, you know, I've had horses where I've only treated them a couple of times because the owners did all their homework and, you know, got them into a place where they were looking much better and, and doing what they needed them to do um, because they did what I... So they often will give those sorts of recommendations. Um, and, yeah, generally kind of seeing has your horse improved, has the behaviour changed. Sometimes you might not notice an improvement as such, but you might notice a change. And in the initial kind of treatments, it's the change that you're looking for okay. because sometimes there's many layers that you've got to um, deal with. Yep. Before you can get that improvement, like they might, sometimes horses will get worse if they've been compensating for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But again, that you need to be communicating that with your body worker, and they need to have an open line of communication with you as well. Okay. Now, how do we know we've got the right body worker? You know, we might have a body worker. Um, the vets recommended them. They've come out, or a friend has got a body worker that they're working with. How do we know which is the right one to work with our horse and with us as well? Yeah. Yeah, and it can be um, a challenge. I think the most important thing is that if you're not feeling comfortable or they're not kind of resonating with you, then, you know, maybe they're not the right person for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and just because they're you know, got the most qualifications, it doesn't always mean that you're going to be the best fit. Um, like I'm not best fit for people who want to keep riding their horse, mm. <laughs> you know, because initially sometimes I say to people, you can't ride your horse for a few days. So if they want to ride their horse straight after, then then I'm not the person for them. So, you know, it's it's who I get fits in with what you want. Um it's who resonates with you and the horse. Your horse needs to, you know, be a partner, as we just mentioned before, in that treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, if they're not relaxing, um, then you're not going to get the most out of the session. Um, you know, they should be able to answer any questions that you have and it should make sense to you. So if it's not quite making sense to you or you can't understand it or they can't explain it in a way that you can understand um, we don't feel like they're listening yep. to what you're saying um, because I find that owners always know their horses the best. Um, and, yeah, your horse will definitely guide you and um, and your understanding will guide you as well. And sometimes, like, I have horses where 
um, you know, I might well, say they're going to another body worker um, and the other body worker gets to a limit and says, oh, like, I think now you might need to go see Raquel for a bit. Um, you know, so sometimes you don't have to have one body worker only. You might have a person qualified in chiropractic and then you might have a massage therapist or a person who's qualified in craniosacral therapy or a person qualified in um, laser. Okay. And yep. for different things, you might use a different therapist. So you don't have to just have one body worker, but hopefully they can, if you have multiple, they can actually work together and support each other. So we'd have multiple body workers, and I'm sure that we don't just go and see a body worker once. You've already said they're not miracle workers, so see a body worker once yeah. and you never see them again. How often should yeah. your horse see a body worker? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, like, I believe horses probably out of any animals, people, you know, they're dealing with the most um, challenges. Mm-hmm out of any of us because they have to deal with hoof balance, they have to deal with saddle fit, they have to deal with um, often confinement, not getting the movement they're designed for, they have to um, deal with different trainers, different riders, different bits, you know, so they have a lot of issues, a lot of things that they have to deal with on a daily basis. So for me, you know, they see a body worker fairly regularly so I have horses now that they have been treating for uh, years, <laughs> um, and my aim is always like we see what our max, like we get them out further and further and further and further. So some of mine are on like a seven, eight week um, rotation, but these okay. horses did have problems before. Um, some other ones, you know, it depends on their level of riding as well. So these are like um, commercial horses they're going to be seen more regularly and it's not necessarily because there's a problem just to keep them fine-tuned. And every time I treat these horses, they're getting better. So always aiming for improvement even though I've been treating them for years. So those horses, you know, six, seven weeks, I think every horse should see a body worker at least two to three times a year. But if they've never seen a body worker before, then they need to see them at least three to four times um, within usually around a two-week window in between. That's Mm -hmm. most therapies recommend that. And then depending on, like, oh, have they got an acute injury that they've been recommended for, how long is that going to take to heal, or are we looking at, like, an older horse who's got a lot of wear and tear. And so... You know, do we have a lot of layers to take back? And they might take, you know, a different length of time. So um, a good body worker will be able to recommend you your your follow-up treatment. But I don't believe that if they just come once, that that is sufficient. Okay. Um, I don't think that they can understand what's going on within the horse by seeing the horse just once because sometimes the next time you go back, it's a very different from the very first time that you, that you saw them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say your vet recommends a body worker, but you know, and you can see your horse needs a body worker, but you want to find a different one. What's the best way to find 
a body worker? Yeah, so obviously through those associations that we talked about, the yep. Equine Therapies Association, um, the ABPA, the, um, sometimes you might, like I notice a lot of people ask on Facebook, um, and the thing is that, you know, you don't know the qualifications of those people. So uh, if they're really cheap, <laughs> they're generally not qualified. Yep. Um, they don't have the overheads of, of being qualified and, and paying for all that training sure. and insurance and everything. So, you know, that would tell you their qualification. Um, if a friend has recommended a body worker, then that's great, but ask them a few questions. So, you know, like how how many times have you had your body worker out? Um, what do they what do they do with your horse? Um, what are their qualifications? And I find a lot of people say they don't know because um, I've asked my clients. They had somebody else there. And say, oh, like what are their qualifications? Oh, I don't know. So, you know, they often get away with that. Um, are they insured? Did they give them any kind of follow-up recommendations? Did they say they needed to come back? Um, what kind of problems did you actually have that the, the worker helped you with? Um, and did they they could fix it? Um, okay. All right, Raquel, this is, well, I think just your knowledge, you know, the knowledge that you have in this area. You know, we've sort of talked about a couple of associated areas, but the whole thing today, you know, just being able to um, talk about what we need to know when we're selecting the body worker has been brilliant. So, Raquel, thank you. Now, before you go, though, what about your contact details? If people would like to contact you, I'm sure they've got lots of questions. What's the best way to contact you? They can do it through horsechats.com, search for Raquel, search for Butler or search for Raquel Butler. But Yeah, so I'm at CSU, so my email at CSU is rbutler at csu.edu.au. My mobile number is 0435-813-505, but you're best to send me a text um, because I do work full-time and um, have horses and stuff, so... (laughs) It's easy to contact me via text. And my personal Facebook page is Integrated Veterinary Therapeutics. Perfect. All right. Uh, Wonderful. Great talking to you again, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Yes, thanks a lot, Vanessa. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 